0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beavers Edge Podcast co-host and KEGO radio host TJ Matthewson joining us here on the Edge Podcast. We're back. Oregon State fell to Utah over the weekend. We're at Beavers Edge. We're ready to flush that, move on to uh, this next game against Stanford coming up. TJ, welcome back to the pod, man. How are you doing, and uh, how excited are you for uh, Oregon State to uh, get back to the field uh, this weekend?
1: I'm doing good, uh, Brennan. How do how do we think my background looks? I so, got a got a change of scenery here, uh, yeah. for our podcast Today, but I think it looks good. It's nice and soundproof in here. I think it's more soundproof from where I normally record in the KEJO studio right over right. there. But there's a podcast, another podcast being recorded. The uh, the the uh, the OSU Beavers, whatever official podcast, being recorded yeah. in that room w- with Terry Boss right now. So. Uh, I'm sitting here in this room next door uh, all by myself, so it's good. Um, and yeah, man, quite the game on on uh, on Saturday. It was. It's interesting to hear some different perspectives. I, I think I've mentioned it a couple right. times, but I, I host the, the post game call and show after uh, after the broadcast on Saturday. So I'm usually the one, the first one of the first to sort of hear the frustrations. You, of course, we can look at the damn board as well uh, of and keep an eye on that as well. But, you know, I get to hear it firsthand from some people on the phones. And, and, you know, there were a lot of very frustrated people. And there was a lot of people, you know, honestly, I thought were pretty level-headed. I mean, if you looked at the schedule at the beginning of this year, and well, on our show earlier this year, before the season started, we played the pocket schedule game where you mm. go in and you pick every game. This game was a loss, almost cons- like a yes. consensus loss, right? But here we are after the game, and people are mad they lost the game. Yeah, now, you watch the game right and there was so many things the beavers could have done way better and you know they outgained utah in total yards passed for more yards ran for more yards had five trips in the red zone but with no touchdowns and threw four interceptions i mean sometimes it's as simple as that man you like the last two weeks when you you have these big moments the best teams execute and finish in those moments and the beavers not even like really one time did that in the last two weeks, and that's why they lost twice. It's right. <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? I mean, it, like, um, who was it yesterday? Uh, I think it was Joshua Gray who who was like, "Yeah, we ran like 154 total plays against Utah, but you can like uh, both sides—that is offense and defense and special teams. You can go through and you can pick out something wrong in every game and uh, right. every play, right? But but still, even you know you you played for the most part pretty well, like like on the on the outside looking in you played you know pretty fine even if the score doesn't um the score doesn't reflect that so it's just sort of been a lot to digest here in this week Brendan and it's trying to you know (laughs) walk people off the ledge especially me sort of an outsider ish coming in you know I didn't grow up with beaver football like you did or like a lot of the people who listen to this podcast do or write in on the damn board right I'm new here I'm the new kid on the block so it's sort of uh, it, it's interesting to to peer in at that perspective, but I, I just don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't. And I think this weekend, the opponent in Stanford, yeah, I think it is a as good of an opportunity to get right as you could ask, unless you're going to play ASU or, or Colorado. I mean, right. all the things the beers have been struggling with Stanford does terribly like just awful. Yeah. But we'll get into that as we go along.
0: For sure. No, and I think you hit on a lot of great points there. And, you know, I I think to kind of, you know, pick out some of the pieces there, I mean, as you mentioned, I think we have a big time crossover audience, you know, people that are on the damn board or talking to you on your show post game and vice versa. And I think, you know, all Beaver Nation is a pretty cohesive group and, you know, just kind of getting those perspectives and and opinions because it was a frustrating loss. And I think that's where, um, you know, unlike the USC game where, that hurt for a different kind of a reason than the Utah game hurt. And I think while you're right, TJ, a lot of people on the pocket schedule did maybe peg this Utah game as a loss. The USC game was a little bit more open ended. And I think as we look at that on the scorecard now and realize how close that game was, it's where, you know, the four turnovers in that game and then the four turnovers in this Utah game, you know, really rear their ugly head. And the thing that I've seen, you know, thrown out this week that I'm, I have a tendency to agree with, TJ, is that Oregon State's gotten great production from 21 of 22 positions in Pac-12 play. And, you know, I've seen it written about by journalists, seen it written about, you know, talked about on our damn board. Um, You know, we've talked about it on our radio show on Rip City Mornings this week as well. Just the fact that it – is it an – like, you know, is it too much to say that if Oregon State had consistent quarterback play, they'd be 2-0 in Pac-12 play right now? I think it is deeper than that but on the surface that's what it looks like and that's where those frustrations can come from and, yeah. and i've seen it over and over again and we've seen you know quarterback debates on our board and we'll obviously get into the status of Chance Olin', and and uh whether or not uh, we'll see him or ben gobertson uh, on saturday but i think just when you look at that and you kind of peel it back and you see that first big thing is you see a defense that's playing better you see special teams that didn't make you know massive mistakes And then you see an offensive running game that was able to run the ball against, you know, uh, USC and Utah, more so against the Utes. Uh, But then you see Oregon State just couldn't throw the ball worth a lick, you know?
1: Yeah. And I'd say the biggest sort of point that kind of hit home with me after that game of how Oregon State fans are, are looking at this, you know, media in general makes sense. Uh, our, our first caller I had on the post game show, Andy, he always calls in. He's fantastic, gives great analysis. Uh, he said, There is no reason, there's no reason to think that the Beavers wouldn't be the best team in the Pac 12 with competent quarterback play. There's no reason. They've given you no reason to think anything else than if they got competent quarterback play after these first two Pac 12 games, they would be the best team in the conference, right? And I, 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 I didn't think about it that way, and I'm like, thinking about now i think about it I'm like yeah right that right. that absolutely makes sense when you look at the rosters and you look at the box score you look at the yards per play look at the opportunities that were there i mean it's all there it really right. is you know you just went toe to toe with the the two best and two most talented teams in the conference and you went toe to toe and right. ended up you know again just not executing and such and in that sense i do understand it but that again just shows you how important quarterback the quarterback position is it really is a bad quarterback can drag down a great roster a great quarterback can drag up a bad roster I mean it's it's really is as simple as that
0: right right and 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 I think you know that I, I think to answer your point when you're like you know you saw a lot of frustrations and this and this and that and I think also going along with that point TJ is you know it's been a long 10 years for Oregon state. You know, you think about the last time they got to a marquee bowl game was 2012. And when they lost the Alamo bowl, Uh, you know, obviously I got to the Hawaii bowl in 16 and got, or in 13, excuse me, and got to the uh, LA bowl this last year, but not necessarily like, you know, dynamic seasons that you're riding home, you know, talking about at the sports bar with your buddies kind of a thing. It's like, you know, Oregon state had a good season. They went to a bowl game, but when you're talking about getting back to that, you know, eight, nine wins that we saw in the mid two thousands or even in 2012, you know, and I think a lot of Oregon state fans are maybe, mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy being like, Oh, Hey, is this, you know, as good of a team as 10 years ago and three and zero start and that 2012 team, you know, raced out to a a six and zero start before they lost their first game. So I think there's kind of like that Beaver fans wanting to have it all at once. And I totally understand that being, you know, someone who, like you said, has been around the team for, you know, my entirety of my life is because it's been a long, it's been a long sloth to kind of get through the, you know, Mm -hmm. Anderson era, get through the rebuilding part of the Smith era, and then, you know, get just a little taste of success last year, even though they didn't win the bowl game. And then it raced out to the start that they did. I think all those things kind of combined. And then you saw, you know, obviously the, 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 highlighted poor quarterback play. So I think it's a lot of individual factors, but I think it's very easy to kind of look at the big, um, you know, four or eight turnovers in two games. And it's very simple. You know, I wrote about it after USC and I, you know, alluded to it and wrote about it a little bit after Utah, TJ, you turn the ball over four times in a game in the pack 12 and you don't force any, you don't deserve to win period. Nope. And that's, I mean, and that's, again, that frustrating factor is, you know, while everyone wants to, you know, pile on Chance Nolan and there are, there's some necessary blame there. You know, you look at the defense, they haven't forced a turnover in two weeks while they played better and, you know, showed us some really good things, you know, they're not turning around putting the ball back into the hands of the offense. So -hmm. I think it's, you know, when you combine all those factors, it's just combined, uh, Plus throw in, uh, you know, the fact that, like you said, those are two of the best teams in the conference outside of maybe Oregon. And I think, you know, you you have your answer. So the big thing now is, you know, you can't play Monday morning quarterback, you know, as it goes now, you have to improve and and move on. And I think that's where – you know uh, based on the interviews that you've had this week with the offense and defense it seems like um, you know the Beavers are, are moving on well and uh, particularly as we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday uh, you talked to Trent Bray today and he even said he likes the team's response this week following the adversity compared to the team's mm-hmm. response last week after last that week, USC yeah. game and we all kind of knew that we knew that was going to be an emotional you know how do you turn the page and It's hard to know. I mean, you you know, we haven't talked to Chance Nolan. Did the USC game linger in his head a little bit? You know, was he thinking about it? All those kind of things. You know, I think when you, to put a bow tie on this point, it's a very long point. I think when you put all those things together, that's why Oregon State's staring at an 0-2 start. Certainly highlighted by the turnovers, but there's lots of little things. There's, you know, execution, play calling, this, that. And I think when you line up all those things together, uh, maybe the hangover a little bit, it it just it, it it sets the stage for where we are now, and you know we'll obviously talk about what we can do. But would you kind of agree? Is that kind of what you've seen the first two weeks too? Yeah, it, and I just thought it was interesting they said that because last week when we
1: talked to them, the the sentence that stayed with me was we can't let USC beat us twice. Right. That, the, those exact words. I forget who yep. said that. And I guess when Trent Bray said that. Today, you think, well, did they then? They might They might have. When right. when apparently it was an emphasis to not let that happen, right. uh, it still ended up doing it. So that's interesting, something to think about. And I guess to turn to a more optimistic page, Brendan, Definitely. You look at the rest of the schedule. <laughs> you look at the rest of the schedule. Are there nine wins still left on that schedule, seven games to go? Are there nine wins left on that schedule? And I say yes. I, I absolutely think so. So – we can think about it this way. You have one tough road game left. You know, play at Washington after the bye week on a Friday night. You will not be favored in that game. You will, I don't know. No. Anywhere from a three-point to a touchdown underdog, I would guess.
0: Unless Washington just collapses between now and yeah. then. I suppose then, that could happen.
1: You could be a favorite, right? Right.
0: So you have Washington. Who knows if they'll be ranked, of... too, in that Correct. game. If Correct. Who knows if Washington will still be ranked in that matchup, too. Correct you have Washington stay at
1: home, good team. You will be favored. And you, your team for the last two years is much better at home, much. It's not even close. And then your final home, the the rivalry game, the final home game, will they be favored? Maybe not, but you know, you're going to take a rivalry game at right? Right. And who knows what can happen. Right. So you think about that. It's like, okay, So you might lose one of Washington or Oregon. Right. Put you at nine wins because you'll be favored against every other team. And, you know, exercising demons with Washington state. I mean, I think they play this game at research stadium. I think Oregon state beats Washington state. Yeah. We'll have to see them play it out on the field, but the rest of the games, like, you know, let's talk about Colorado. They're playing Stanford this week. They get to go down to Tempe and play the sun devils. I mean, those are all wins. That puts you right. at, that puts you in a bowl game right there with those those three bad Pac-12 teams, right? Yeah. That puts you in game, and you know you could very easily be six and two going into the bye week, and then right. you know you know the what if game could be played. But if you just sort of just think about it that way, I mean, you're pretty much going to be a Vegas favorite to go six and two into your bye week, and you
0: take that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely something to the schedule easing up, and I think that's that's crucial for Oregon State, and that's kind of the. You know, they, they don't, you remember that old lesson, TJ, when when we were kids and you're sitting around the dinner table and, you know, mom and dad explained you had to eat your vegetables first. That's pretty much the situation here with Oregon State. Is you know, we from the beginning of the year, we're like, oh, goodness, Oregon State has to open with Boise State and Fresno State before they get Montana State. Right. As it turns out, Boise and Fresno, maybe not as good as we thought, but neither here nor there. Then you look at Pac-12 Right? Then you look at Pac-12 play. You open with the two toughest teams outside of Oregon, and we'll get to them in a minute. But outside of those two teams, like those, that's it. So it's like regardless of whether or not this team was better or not, that was, you know, a a, a gauntlet as far as, you know, having two teams that are just really good, two teams that I think have a chance to win what would have been the Pac-12 South this year, um, you know, as it's no longer existent. But I, I think that's worth, um, that's worth mentioning. And, you know, in, in itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, w- and then, I, I, I w- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. And then the schedule itself from there, like you said, you get Stanford, you know, I, you know, it, it pains me to say this, but David Shaw, you know, I, I'm surprised that his Cardinal program has gotten to this point. You know, uh, he's one of my favorite coaches in the PAC 12 and an awesome dude to talk about. And I, you know, think he's won some big time games and um you know continue that success the program but you look at Stanford they have not had a winning record in you know 3 4 years now um they've lost 10 straight games to uh, FBS opponents so that's that's a get right game for Oregon state you mentioned some other teams um, as far as some games on the schedule like Washington State I think will be a tough game but I agree with you I think Oregon State will be favored I think Cal will be a tougher game than Oregon than than you know maybe expected and I think Oregon State will be favored Colorado that's Oregon State's gimme game this year no disrespect to the buffs maybe they get some some life under their interim coach who I don't know who it is help me out tj do you know who their interim is i uh, do not know I sh- no yeah i should i should know this bad bad uh, although it bad, sounds uh, like
1: we might have an idea who they might look at in the offseason
0: right um and then like you said it's hard to know what arizona state's going to be like on their senior day with whatever semblance of their Program this year is a lot of
1: there's been been a lot of movement, so I don't know how many senior, how many four year seniors are left there.
0: Right. Um. And but like you said, for all those reasons, I I agree with you. I think the Washington game will be very tough, and I think the Oregon game will be very tough. Outside of that, there are games that you are probably going to have a shot at being expected to win. And you know, like you said, even if if you you played that game, TJ, and you finished with a um, you know you you won you know all but two more games. And you went eight and four. Would that still not be a, a season that Oregon State fans would be really happy about?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and like, it wasn't too long ago where the you know eight wins seemed like you know going to the moon, right? It did. It like did. <laughs> to the moon. Like to the moon. <laughs> like exactly. I like. Okay, we don't have to keep rehashing the Gary Anderson era, but like, no. <laughs> I, like eight and four, go to a bowl game, finish nine and four. I mean. Sounds pretty good to me, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I, think, know, I and know, know people might want more. And, it, you know, I don't think it's unfair to expect more out of your football program, but sometimes that's just how stuff shakes out, right? It's, yeah. it's sports. We don't always get what we want,
0: unfortunately. Well, I mean, I think, like I said, I think the pos, like I said, out of the seven games that they have left, I think there's a possibility to, you know, I think there's a chance to win them all. I think there's a chance to win a middle number. I think there's a chance to, you know, win. You know, maybe a lower number if things don't break right. And I think that's going to lead us into our next point and something that I think is going to determine it all, TJ quarterback play. Quarterback play is going to determine how many games this team wins. I think the defense has got to a point where it's going to keep the team in games this year. I don't think there's going to be any problems on special teams, and I don't think there's going to be any problems running the ball. You know, I think that Oregon State would benefit from naming Jam Griffin the starter, but. You know, I'm not offensive coordinator. The committee wow. lives on, so the committee does you know, live on, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But I think it comes down to quarterback play. Officially, as of this uh, recording, this podcast on Wednesday, Chance Nolan, per Jonathan Smith's words, going Is to be wa- like yeah, all of us. G- yeah, day to day going to be watched. So whatever you want to call that. I'll call that questionable going into the week. Um, you know, it's, it's practices are closed. It's unclear whether he's been able to practice or not. Uh, if he's not, Jonathan Smith has said it will be Ben Goldbranson, Golbranson taking the, uh, taking the snaps under center or, you know, from the shotgun, however, uh, Oregon State lines up to start the game. Let's just dive into that TJ. What does that mean? Like knowing like, yeah, what does that mean on the first let, – let's just kind of get into it of what that could potentially mean in these next seven games as if Nolan can go, if he looks good, if Nolan can't go, if Go Branson comes in, looks good, what happens then?
1: So I'm curious to see how much the game plan would change. The coaching staff, when we – or at least listening to them this week, the offensive guys yesterday on, as we record this on a Wednesday – they said the game plan really doesn't change that much with, with Ben to, to chance, but it right. did seem when I was watching on Saturday, I took this away. Some other people didn't. You took this away as well. I thought they really put the shell on the offense, which Ben went out there. They, yeah. they mixed in a couple of trick plays. They threw it to him once they let Jack Hilly throw special. a pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they let Jack throw a pass, but otherwise I, you know, they leaned on the run game a lot which was very successful Uh, but I really thought they sort of put the clamps on Goldbranson which in his first career start or start or real game experience on the road not in a blowout uh, in a tough environment against a really good defense is understandable but this week with a full week to sort of install Ben say chance isn't going to go on Saturday I'm not so sure he's going to go on Saturday. Yeah, uh, especially you're facing an opponent in Stanford who really has struggled in every which way possible. And, yeah. and we, we can be honest; I don't think there's really going to be much of a road environment on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. I think I don't think Ben will absolutely really worry to. about. Yeah. I don't I, mean, really think. Don't,
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, they're all studying, you know, making rockets to the moon and stuff. You know, that's what Stanford yeah, does. More, more important things in football. <laughs> um,
1: but I I just think that sort of intimidation factor of Ben would be like out the window. And you, you just right. look at Stanford. I have some, I uh, wrote down some numbers here on Stanford. I lost the page. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that. But Stanford this year, I mean, man, they've just really struggled. And this game plan like really just leans to where, where the Beavers can, you know, kind of just let go Branson and the offense just sort of do their thing. I mean, Stanford yeah. is 124th nationally in running defense, 124th. Oh, I got <laughs> one. I got one for 210, you. 210 or nearly 211 yards per game. Uh, I got they one. Are n- rank, they ranked yeah. n- rank 90th nationally and passing efficiency defense, 140 yeah. essentially. They've only forced yeah. – Two turnovers this year. Two. Yeah, Only like you said, Fresno State, Texas, and Notre Dame have forced the same or less turnovers. They are 131st in turnover margin. They have oh, wait. uh this is on the wait. other side of the go. Well, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, regardless, wait. there, a yeah. lot of those th- a lot of those numbers right there tell you running games should be effective regardless of who's in there yeah. at quarterback, regardless of who is there. Ben should. Be able to take care of the football because Stanford hasn't created those opportunities yet this year. Um and he's a chance to be very efficient because again, along with the fact that they haven't picked anything off, they really haven't kept quarterbacks from being sort of efficient in the passing right. game, which I think would be a strength of Ben. I'm curious to see how much they'll run him. Uh yeah. Brian Lindgren yesterday said, you know, they keep that in mind. He's a right. athletic guy, he's big as well, maybe not quite Cam Newton size, <laughs> but you know, they could run him a little bit um, and, and spread the defense out. So I'd be curious to see that. But a lot of those just sort of peripheral numbers sort of say that, you know, people are paranoid about the Stanford game. But just the numbers, like, just tell you that, like, the Stanford team's not very good. And, right. And and you think, oh, this is their get-right game. It's like, well, I mean, the, the we have, we've had some people on the show this week that said, uh, yeah, oh, we had Petros on yesterday and I think Petros and Alex Faust are the ones calling that, uh, that Stanford or game last week, uh, I believe. And Petros said, yeah, well, or Stanford thought Oregon was their get right game too. And they were down 31 to three at the half. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's how it shook I th- out.
0: I think Stanford TJ is still in um, Cal a little bit too. I think both those teams are still experiencing the negative effects of COVID. And I say that, because there was not a more restrictive place in America than San Francisco and right. specifically Berkeley and Palo Alto counties and you think about you know how Stanford TJ you you weren't here but do you remember when Stanford lived on the rope for like yep. half of the year like yep. you combine that with the Lack of ability to potentially have recruits on visits, you know, all the things that every school was working through. And, you know, we're finding out that perhaps the schools that may be a little more open are having an easier time, you know, working their way back in. But you just. Or ones I, I, that just ignored the rules altogether. Well, you know, there is that. Too. <laughs> there is that. too, But. You know, it's it's just it's fascinating to me because I think David Shaw is one hell of a coach. And the D you know, up there with Whittingham is the dean of Pac-Twelve coaches. I mean, you look at, you know, there for a while, and Beaver fans remember David Shaw was the only kryptonite to Chip Kelly and Oregon and you know, their blur offense. So that that's definitely something that, you know, I think Oregon State fans are always gonna think of as like, hey, you know, David Shaw is really good, Stanford's good, but in this case, the uniforms might be a little magic. Um Like I said earlier in the podcast, Oregon State or Stanford has not beaten an FBS team in a year. They beat Oregon first weekend of October last year. They have not beaten a Division I team since then at the you know high level, obviously. They beat Colgate to open this season, but I think that works in Oregon State's favor. And, you know, additionally you know um, all those reasons you mentioned Stanford being dead last in the country and turnover, ba- uh, turnover margin, uh, the run defense, Oregon state should be able to run. And I think the lack of environment, like it's not to say that you can, you know, look down on Stanford, but I think this is a game that Oregon state has to feel they can win regardless of what their situation is at quarterback. And I agree with you. I think if it's close, uh, Ben will probably play just because we've seen, that's how Oregon state has handled injuries uh, in the past uh, uh, with the uh, Smith and co.
1: And I think Ben would do a good job. I mean, we we both watched him play during the fall. I mean, the guy is oh so talented. He really is. And again, everything they would want to do on offense against Stanford, Ben could do. The only thing that would drop off really is probably the deep passing game. Ben's got an absolute cannon for an arm. I mean, stronger than chances, I mean, easily yeah. the strongest arm of that quarterback room. But, you know, that the accuracy-wise, you know, the timing wasn't fantastic. I don't know how much Uh, They'll let them throw deep in that game. But, you know, as everything, the numbers and the tape has shown, is like those opportunities will be there. Right. And another thing that is like just really puzzling with Stanford, did you know they have the 22nd ranked roster and talent composite? I mean. I don't
0: doubt it because they usually recruit extremely well. Like I said, David Shaw Listen to these
1: schools they're ahead of in talent. Uh, Arkansas, Kentucky, UCLA, TCU, Utah, and Oklahoma State. I believe all of those teams are ranked.
0: And that's where I say maybe Stanford's still a little young and they, you know, I mean, they're not gonna fire David Shaw. So he'll be back next year no matter what happens. So maybe they turn it around, but like they just have been in this stretch, GJ, where I still feel like they have not gotten out like the lack of better terms, the COVID cobwebs.
1: Yeah, maybe I
0: I I try and think about that like
1: you're right. It might, it might just be a lot of recruiting stuff. I mean, right. I feel like the practice stuff is probably, That's a big you know, part of you're, it they're too. about like, but, but you're about like a year and a half from that. Right. Because last year was no, normal ish, I guess, for Stanford, they probably normal-ish. still had some restrictions, right. But they weren't kicked off campus. Right. They were no. there. They, they were, were going there. to class. Um, everything was as is. And now everything as, as is. So, I don't know. You're right. It'll be interesting to see how they turn it around, but also a perspective, uh, Brennan, to think about is, you know, S- Stanford isn't, like, they're a very good college football program, but they're not a perennial 10-11 win team program. Not, no. like, not historically. No. No. I mean, what Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw did in the late, uh, late 2000 or early or late Early 2008 to from 2008 to 2018, that was sort of the exception of Stanford football, not the norm. So I would agree. You could think about this more as Stanford sort of coming back to earth a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would definitely agree with that statement. And you know, again, Oregon State going to get a chance to prove that uh, uh, this this weekend as they uh, face Stanford, 8 p.m. At least we get an ESPN game, TJ. About time.
1: Yeah, people asking for it, and you get the best time slot too. So right, uh,
0: I got a quick, tri- quick yeah, trivia for yeah, quick trivia for you to uh, end up uh, or end or just to wrap up the podcast. Do you know the last time Oregon State won down in, uh down on the farm? Two
1: thousand six.
0: There it is, man. You must have been talking to Mike Parker this week. <laughs> yeah, I've,
1: got, I've done my research.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we. Uh, I mean, you think about it in that perspective, like. You said 2008 on like Stanford just got really good. And I think that's a part of it.
1: Mike Riley beat Jim Harbaugh one time, right? Or beat. Yeah. Beat Jim Harbaugh in Palo. I think it was his Jim's first year. They beat him down there. If I remember correctly, let's see if I wrote it down.
0: Yeah. Stanford. So yes, this Jim Harbaugh beat Mike Riley in 08 to open the season. That was, and then three weeks later, Oregon state beat number one, USC. So that was a bit of an interesting... Uh, oh, that was wait, no, it was
1: a pre-Harbaugh team, 2006. Harbaugh was hired in two thousand six. Yeah, Harbaugh
0: wasn't there in 06. That was the Walt Harris 1-11 Cardinal in 06. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah, rough times. But no, I mean, I think all that is kind of encapsulated into why maybe there's a little bit of like, hey, it's still Stanford. But I think it's also important to keep in context what TJ said. He put a great point the last 10 or so years of Stanford football has maybe been the exception, not the rule. And we're seeing right now, Stanford's kind of reeling while they could see Oregon state as their get right game. And I could see that from both sides. I think like TJ said, the numbers stack up better in Oregon state's favor. I think Oregon state's a more cohesive unit. I think they're better coached right now. I think they're more together, have a better, you know, identity and game plan, even with some of their issues. However, Stanford has the advantage, the quarterback in this matchup. Tanner McKee is a good Good quarterback. You guys are going to see him playing on Sundays, so that's where I think Oregon State needs to, you know, get good quarterback play out of Ben Goldbrunson or Chance Nolan, whoever ends up going in this game. That's my key to this one, TJ. And uh, obviously, check back to BeaversEdge.com uh, later in the week uh, for TJ's prediction, our injury reports, all that stuff. Uh, real quick, uh, what are your uh, what's your kind of key to this one? I think force a turnover or two, and yeah. you have to commit less than two. Let's just say, two.
1: yeah. Yeah, turnovers can't happen, right? Like you said, less than two, I would say one or none, right, with the tur- in the turnover department. I want to see the pass rush come alive in this game. I think yeah. they, got, they got Caleb Williams to the ground one time. They got Cam Rising to the ground one time. Stanford has given up 13 sacks in the last two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I would expect Oregon State to at least want to add to that number. I think they should add to that number on Saturday. And I think that right there will equate uh, – that might level the playing field a little bit with a, with a more greener Ben Goldbranson. You know, on the other side, Oregon State's offensive line has allowed, I think, four sacks all season. So that's a number off the top of my head. I don't have the stats page up, but when I was peeking at it yesterday, that's what it was. It is considerably less than what Stanford has allowed. I think that might be a little bit of an equalizer there. It'll be fun to see.
0: No doubt. And uh, again, it's going to be going to be interesting because for Oregon State you know this is going to be a little bit more like their first three games as opposed to their last again not to you know just continue to beat down the Cardinal but respectfully Stanford is not USC and Stanford is not Utah and Stanford's particularly Stanford's home environment is not Rice Eccles Stadium is not (laughs) Fresno State even and I give credit to Fresno State they got a Better atmosphere than what Stanford's rocking these days. So I think all that is definitely going to be working in Oregon State's favor. It's a great get-right game. And I think the opportunity's there. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see who lands at quarterback for Oregon State. Again, we'll probably know game time decision, uh, who's ultimately there. But at this point, you'd have to think it's, you know. Probably close to 50-50, maybe less. I mean, it just kind of depends on how Chance Nolan's status is. And, again, with cl- practices being closed, we're uh, left, uh, uh, you know, holding our breath as well. So, again, want to thank TJ Matthewson for coming on the pod. As always, we'll be back next week to uh, obviously talk about this game and then look ahead as Oregon State will be back to Reese Stadium for a matchup with Washington State. Uh, a couple weeks on the road, Beavers will be coming back for homecoming. Uh, that game gets a uh, 6 o'clock Kickoff, uh, so they uh, move back up a little bit as far as the uh, the timelines for those kickoffs. So again, TJ, appreciate you jumping on the pod with me, man. It's going to be a good game. Excited to see uh, if Oregon State can kind of get right because it's 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 been a bit of a uh, a backward step these last two weeks.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But again, like with the road environments, this this will be uh, they won't have to worry about the energy from the crowd. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be it'll be a fun one
0: to see. No doubt. Well, again, big thanks to TJ Matthewson. Uh, Keep it locked to beaversedge.com. We'll have complete coverage uh, leading up to the matchup. Uh, We'll have obviously predictions, uh, see uh, what TJ's thinking, what I'm thinking, what our recruiting guy Dylan's thinking as well. And uh, we'll obviously have the injury report uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff leading up to the content uh, or to the start of the game as well. So keep it locked to beaversedge.com. Appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and listening to this edition of the Edge podcast. We'll be back next week.